Hey, yo, and here we go. Another episode of Weed Talk Comics on the air and in your ear. I'm, as usual, the crown prince of charisma, Mo, and with me, king of the casters, super bender of the faith, Mr. Brett Podcast. Two excellent guests with us today, Brett. Oh, boy, I'm excited. I like I like guests because it means that we have to talk less, mostly mostly because I, I can listen to you a little bit less. <laughs> I'm not laughing, really. And and in fairness, I also like both of these guests because they're they're very nice people. That's very kind of you. Thank you. I'm, I'm very nice. Very well. You know you're not nice, Mo. That's okay though, because you are the crown prince of charisma. So why don't you t- why don't you tell us who our guests are? You know what? Even better yet, why don't we get our guests to tell us who they are? Let's go first to the gentleman from England. I'm guessing you said England, not Inglewood. <laughs> it did kind of sound like Inglewood, didn't it? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I am Alexander Finbo, and I am the publisher. Uh, Renegade Arts Entertainment, which is a graphic novel publishing company based in Canmore, Alberta. And this other fella, he's here. He's the superstar. The real reason we're here, Alex, you're just <laughs> there for color. This is actually you're the play-by-play guy, Alex. This is the color man. This is the yeah. Go ahead, sir. Uh, my name is uh, Ben Rankel. I'm a cartoonist. I just finished working on my uh, first graphic novel, Frank, which is out now from Renegade Arts Entertainment. Yay. <laughs> what, a, what a novel concept that we're having you on the show right now. Uh, it's almost like we're here to talk about that graphic novel. Hmm. I think we're probably going to get into some deeper, darker things. Ooh, deeper, darker things. Well, all right then. But well, before then, why don't we start with Frank? Let's uh, let's talk about uh, how the project came about and then what it's about. Okay. Well, uh, Ben, do you, do you want to launch us off? Yeah, Alexander approached me. Uh, uh, I think it was an email a few years ago. Now, twenty twenty fifteen, maybe actually, and uh, he said, you know. Maybe we should have a chat about uh, some of the cool stories that are going on in Alberta and Canada that a lot of people aren't uh, making comics about. And so we had a chat about just a number of different cool stories in Canada, like Philomena, um, Frank Slide, um, this book called The River Rats Come Home, which is about these five brothers and cousins that all went away to war and, and somehow all managed to make it home. And like, just different Canadiana and Alberta stories that uh, I found fascinating. And then uh, after that great conversation, I didn't hear from Alexander again for about six or seven months. <laughs> <laughs> so he decided to just, uh, just leave me hanging for a while. And then I got a call uh, a while later and he's like, let's make a book. And the rest is history. Was right, Alex, why, call, um... why? <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? Um, why did you what? wait six or seven months? Oh, I thought you know, why did you want to make a book? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you really have to do that? I mean, <laughs> why, Alex? Why do you publish books? Oh, no, that's a scary don't question. Give, don't give it an answer. <laughs> why did you wait six or seven months? I, was that, ben, can you remember? Was that the phone call that, that, um, that I, I called you from Toronto when I was out there for TCAF? I, I couldn't tell you. I'm sorry to say. I, I do not remember where you were when you called me three and a half years ago. <laughs> I remember we had a very long converse, conversation. Um, 
Yeah, when I was in the hotel we were room. Chatting about some projects and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I'd, um, the probably the quickest answer for why there was seven months between talking about things and getting things done is that we're a small publisher, and then ooh, shiny, and then and then it's like <laughs> oh, what? Oh yeah, that. But it's um, yeah. There's there's it's a very small crew working here, and you once you get heads down on getting books out there and promoted, um, you have to to really force yourself to put your head above water to go, okay, let's look a, a little bit further down the line and figure out and what's coming next. Yeah. Scheduling and cash flow for, for the next five years. Where, where, where are the projects that we excited about and people we want to work with? Where can we fit them into that? And I was doing that process going, okay, this is, this is our breathing space where we figure out what we're going to do down the line. I want to do the book with Ben about the Frank slide. Um, I need to call him and get that process started. And flash forward, here we are with a wonderful finished book, which everyone should read because it's great. Yeah, I did think it took obviously a while to get to, but it's well worth the wait. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, you know, Alex had his little little pause there, and then I guess I did the rest of the the time using. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Well, now in, in the in all that in in all the time that it took, like how much would you say? I, I guess was broken down into the certain sections. So, like, what? How much was was like you know time writing the script or doing the art or even cons like like forming the full finished concept? Hmm. Um. There's a whole period after we agree, uh, agreed to do the book where I was still working my day job and was not making a lot of progress. So I call that the wasteland. Um, and then I quit my job. And then uh, so I'm, I'm going to start from there because that seems a little more relevant. But it was about three or four months of working on an outline, getting that approved, doing research, and then find, doing some thumbnails and then getting the script built off of the thumbnails. And then I'd say the the next 16 or so months were drawing the book, coloring the book, and then getting it lettered and ready for production. And is it about 96 pages? Pardon me? It's about no. 96 pages for me? I think it rolls in at 103 plus additional materials. Oh, 112? <laughs> yeah. I think I'd know. <laughs> so how many actual man hours? How many actual man hours from beginning to end do you, you estimate? You poured into this oh, thing, the labor of love. I, I mean, I'd have to do some quick math to even try to hazard a guess, but like, you know, you have good days and bad days where you work more efficiently than not, and then you have other days where it's like 16 hours straight, so it's it's tough to... It's tough to say with any accuracy for me. Uh, I mean, if you want to talk about how many hours I spent thinking about the project, then it's just 24 hours a day for, you know, roughly three years. Yeah, that's a that's a long bit. What do you do with your time now if you don't have to think about the baby? <laughs> uh, now I'm settling into uh, a role as a homemaker uh, and part-time <laughs> comics person, so... Uh, it's uh, it's not bad. It's it's pretty interesting. It's it's driving me nuts a little bit, but it's pretty fun. At least un until the part where Alex needs another book done, and then you can spend another three years on that one. 
Yeah, I think I might try a prose book or something next, to be honest. Really? Oh, interesting. Less art. Yeah, I have. Uh, yeah, I found that, uh, well, based on that breakdown that we were just chatting about, I was able to write a script in about, you know, somewhere inside of three months, and art takes a lot longer. But uh, no, the person who described himself, well, you described yourself as a cartoonist. So, yeah. you know, to say, uh, I'm going to write a prose novel, that's, that's not a cartoonist. That that's uh, But that's interesting. Like that. Yeah. Very well, interesting. I'm a cartoonist right now because that's the project that I finished. Um, I don't know. Am I still a cartoonist if I write a book and then come back to comics? Probably. But I've always wanted to see if I could take a swing at doing a uh, an adventure style novel. So I've got a little bit of time and I might try to do that. But we'll see. Who knows? The future is wide open. There's lots of video games to be played as well. So who knows? Maybe I won't <laughs> do anything. So Alex, from, from your perspective, how often... How often does this happen that you start working with somebody on a project and it's this long? Is this kind of is it pretty normal? It can be. It it really depends. I mean, with um, the diplomatic answer. To be fair, to Ben, like um, <laughs> he when he came into this, this he he's only completed very short graphic novel projects before. Um, he's a very hardworking, honest, and creative guy, but he lacked the experience. So. Now he's got the experience to know how long it takes to put a book together. And you can tell, I could tell as he was doing the book, that he got better and faster. And those are the those kind of things you only get from actually doing it. Um, mm -hmm. Agreed. As he fits in the um, all-time Hall of Fame for time taken on a book, uh, he's probably in the middle, to be honest. And we've got one book, Necromantic, which is Laverne Kinjerski which is probably in year six and it's wow. 94 pages, <laughs> um, which is, which is going to go down in history as the longest book ever made. Is that a graphic novel then? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. He scripted it pretty fast. Um, and then we had issues with scheduling with artists. And I really don't like having to take an artist off a book when they're taking a long time. Um, that's not the way we operate. Um, well, I think the book suffers when you change art, especially on something that's supposed to be a contained story. Yeah, yeah. In the, it took so long that as a publisher, we evolved from doing monthly comics into graphic novels, and that book was still on the second issue. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, it's a monthly book. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, and, I, and after learning on Channel Evil with the, with the problems we had with, with um, Shane getting ill and getting full-blown vertigo for two years, um, and not being able to work, I didn't want to put a comic out which wouldn't hit its schedule. So I refused to put it, even solicit it, until we had inks done on issue four of the four issues. Um, right. Yeah, I, I think we're still waiting for the inks to be finished on issue four. Um, so we, well, we, I ended, yeah, the artist job ended up sacking himself for taking two. <laughs> um, well, and I guess that makes I, it slightly easier. Oh, so frustrating. If you'd just done it two and a half years earlier, it would have been fine. But then the replacement artist came and did a good job, but kept getting distracted by other commissions and other work, and, and we kept getting pushed to the bottom of the pile. Um, and he's done a decent job. It's just frustrating that it took him so long. Again. And now we're at the colouring stage, which is taking a long time. Um, well, that's interesting, because colouring, like 94 pages, that should be, you know, inside of a month amount of work for for a 
uh, a semi-experienced colorist, right? Yeah, we've got a very good colorist on the job, and he's doing great work. He has having okay. to do some digital inking on it to fix some of the the oh, that stuff, which takes a bit longer. But he's also very in demand. So when he gets a job from DC or Marvel or you know, at one of the top caliber publishers, it's very hard for him to say no because obviously politically it's a bad thing to do to the to the main bread supplying companies, so to speak. Um, so we keep getting shunted down the line, um, which is frustrating from our point of view. It's not as if we're we're not paying decent industry rates. Um, it's just that we don't have the volume of work to keep someone, a colorist of that caliber, working all the time for us. So obviously we drop down the pecking order. But uh, yeah, so Frank is a wonderful experience in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, we are, we are here so to talk. much better. <laughs> We are here to talk about Frank, and we will. And uh, and but it's just I find this interesting because I mean, you do you do uh, pay the artists for their work they turn in, don't you? It's not something that you pay um, up front. Sometimes we we we've had to evolve the business model. We used to do a, a page rate. Um, we would when I went in, I was so naive. We were up there paying more than IDW and Boom and the others trying to be. Uh, Know, prove that we um, were sensible business people and we wanted to protect our creators because we were all creators going in. And then after two years of seeing the sales numbers and the breakdowns and the margins, you're like, oh, crap, we're going to go bust so fast if we carry on doing this. Um, so now, like on Ben's book, uh, I think he had the, you, you got a pretty decent page rate for the work, right? Yeah. But on a different book, um, I might go in and just pay an upfront advance deal, which is a lot less. But it's more of a risk. Now, I know I had 100%, well, 99.9% confidence that Ben would put out a solid book, <laughs> which um, which would find a good readership. Um, and using the usual model, in two to five years, we'll be making a profit. For some other books, it's a lot riskier. And you think, well, there's a good chance we're going we're gonna to lose money on this book. So we can't front load it as much. We have to do more of a royalty deal with an advance, more like a traditional prose publishing deal. So we are doing more of those as well because you just have to, like you hemorrhage cash otherwise. Um, and you, and if your cash flow screws up, then the publisher goes bust and then the whole thing falls apart. Your fault um, for being an honest man, a good man in the publishing industry. It wasn't made for people like you. <laughs> oh, how many other publishers have told me that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's good. And the the great thing is that the, when a book is finished, like like Frank, everyone is pretty much happy, and the book is good and it's high quality, and no one feels like they've been ripped off. And readers are buying it and spreading the good word. And hopefully, in five years' times, five year five years time, excuse me, um, everyone will still be happy and we'll still be working together and talking about things and. Um, the community will still be a great place to work rather than everyone burning bridges and then moving to different creators or different publishers and then burning them again, which happens sometimes. I like it when everyone loves each other and is really happy and collaborative um, and trying to make that work as an industry is very important, I think. Well, once Ben gets gets through the success of his prose novel, then he'll be ready to <laughs> come back to the uh, come back to the old homestead of comic book making, and uh, and then you, you can move on to that next uh, great Canadian piece. 
are, would you be able to, do you think, write a prose novel and work on a graphic novel at the same time? Because there's people that do do that type of thing simultaneously. Or, or you creatively, the way that you're wired, you have to focus just on, hyper-focus on one project at a time. That's a good question. I don't know yet, just because, uh, you know, I haven't done a whole lot of stuff yet. So far, I made a graphic novel, and I was unable to work a day job and work on that graphic novel at the same time. It it uh, it took all of my energy and all of my focus to put the book together. So I'm not sure if I'd be able to handle uh, prose. Prose and a graphic novel might be a little easier. It might be fun to take a break from working on writing a book to go and, you know, do some drawing and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm not really sure, but I've got lots of stories that I want to do in, in the graphic format, the comics format, and a few that I want to do in prose. So I guess it's just seeing what I can handle and trying out some, some new workloads and seeing how that goes. You don't know until you try it. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's if I learned anything from Frank, it was not to make assumptions about what I think I know based on my experience with a different industry. Uh, I was so certain I was going to be able to like just completely and accurately manage my schedule based on the fact that I was a creative projects manager in my day job, and it is just such a different workload and a different process having to to kind of work within like your your. Uh, I hate the idea of like motivation or like inspiration because it's not really the same thing but just there's these lulls that happen where you just can't pick up a pencil and produce anything worthwhile and like trying to factor that in isn't something i knew how to do at the start now are there projects that you came up with while you were working on the concept for frank that you would start looking into now you know not really when i was working on frank i was pretty focused on frank i might have had an idea here or there but i think I think there are things that I already had in my mind before I got started. Um, yeah. So uh, most of my, and now that Frank is done, my mind's going wild again and thinking up different ideas and stories and stuff like that, which is where the whole prose thing came from. That's only something I thought about doing in the last couple of uh, weeks since finishing the book. Or um, not a couple of know, weeks, but a few weeks, a few months. It, it has just occurred to me because Brett and I are shitty hosts especially Brett, um, that we never actually have told anybody the concept, the story, the plot, whatever, the, the elevator pitch. All right, well, Ben, tell we us the elevator pitch. Somebody it. tell us the elevator pitch. I think Alexander's better at it. What? Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, Frank is a timeless tale of money, murder, and Mother Nature. It's uh, powerfully told, vibrantly illustrated, highly recommended for all fans of historical dramas. I'm just reading off the back of the book now. <laughs> it, it didn't sound like it at all. Mm, nope. <laughs> I was like, hey, um, he is the best. <laughs> it's, a, it's a murder mystery set in uh, Canada's largest natural disaster. Um, Eve Lee, the main character, is in a self-destructive spiral. Uh, her big plans for a new life in this boom town of Frank didn't work out. And so as she hits rock bottom, she's forced to confront um, the disappearance of her former lover and the uh, kind of questionable circumstances that uh, he's gone missing under, all while uh, this looming threat of natural disaster that people familiar with the story of Frank Slide will know is imminent. So it's sort of like, will she put her past behind her before she finds herself buried under it? Yeah, that's a pretty good 
pretty good um, pitch. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's also, also, also off the back of the book. I think Alexander wrote that. It might have been collaborative. It might have been collaborative. Yeah. Let's hear yours, yeah. Alex. Let me show them how it's done. That uh, might have been Alex's, though. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm, that's why I'm putting the pressure on him. This would be hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it's to make it different. Yeah. Um, what I usually do if we're talking to people about and pitching the book, and, and Ben does that kind of a pitch, is um, <laughs> is mention the emotional um, the emotional heart of the story. Like it's it's a great thriller and a really good mystery, but at, at the the real center of it, it's a beautiful, gentle, emotional uh, look at um, people and about a woman who's dealing with some some heavy stuff and trying to do the best with the situation. Um, which leads me on to a question for, for you two hosts. Um, like, cause I'm so close to this book. It's very hard for me to be objective, but you, did you, that when you were reading it, <laughs> did you, did you, um, for, did you, were you expecting the slide with every page? Were you just waiting for it to happen? Or did you kind of forget at some points in the story that it was going to be coming? Well, that's a good question. That is a good question. I'm not, I'm not sure that I, didn't expect it to come. I mean, I, I think the, I think as a general rule, you kind of expect it near the end because <laughs> otherwise it, it might end the book a little early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, this is the nine or the hundred and however many page yeah. graphic novel. Uh, 75 the, pages of just sketches. <laughs> yes. And, and there's, look, it's, it's rocks. Page 76 is rocks. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I I don't. It's it's it's. Um, I'm just searching for the right way to say it. That it's not so much that I was anticipating it, as so much as I wasn't thinking about it at all. Yay! That's what I was hoping you'd say. Yeah, yeah I would say that's a gratifying answer. That's the same for me. I, it, you know, I was reading it, and when it actually happened, I went, "Oh shit! Yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be a slide." I forgot. There's going to be this disaster. Like it, it was something that I had forgotten was going to happen. So well, that, it didn't that have to happen happened. in the book. No, you know. no. That's so, great. I mean, That's sorry, really, I didn't yeah, catch it, that. Okay, I well, I just said it didn't have to happen in the book, and and so that's. You know, if that's what you were going for, then that's that is a good thing because because it was it, it was about the story and not about the slide. Yeah, I think for me, it's always been about Eve and dealing with uh, sort of obsessive behavior, which I tried to illustrate through her battle with alcohol and sort of her her inability to let go of knowing all the information. Like it's uh, all the information about her previous partner. I think it was sort of a universal idea that I found like this kind of idea of obsessive behavior and kind of mental illness in a way. Um and yeah, I mean, to me, that the kind of that core idea of trying to get over something, I think, is really what the book is about for me. And there's the, the sort of historical bent that the character of Bobby sort of takes us through um, about sort of, I don't know what the right terminology here is, but the the sort of use of natural resources and the problems that can come with those and like, you know, how how does this town specifically deal with that problem? How do they get over the use of that? And like, you know, I, I saw some analogs there that I was trying to gather, trying to tie together thematically. So it's really about getting over things. 
and how we deal with things that aren't working anymore. So what drew you to the element of making it a murder mystery in this case? For me, it was just about doing a story that I thought would be interesting and engaging and then having the added bonus of setting that in some sort of uh, Alberta historical content to try to make people a little bit more interested in or engaged with um, a type of material that maybe isn't overly um, sought out or isn't the sort of thing that's considered the most exciting or most entertaining type of, of storytelling. I just really wanted to make it accessible and fun. I'm also interested in the uh, in your decision on the on the colors that you use because they're not typical for what you would expect from a book like this. Yeah, I think that comes from the same place really too. Is uh, talking about the book with Alexander, it was really about like, can I make a story that's got this Alberta historical base, but is interesting in a way that you know sepia toned. Um, historical retellings of like just factual events maybe I don't find them as exciting that way so I want to make a book that I'd find interesting that was you know steeped in history but wasn't necessarily uh full-on about that historical aspect like if I'm saying that correctly it's really about trying to make it accessible and interesting and fun and exciting and and something that somebody would say oh I'm not really into comics or history but still be interested in picking up this book anyhow so I think the colors for me were to that end as much as the murder mystery and and also the language choice in the book how much did you go to Alexander then to really discuss things like were you talking with him on a on a weekly basis a daily basis were you like in his hip pocket almost Mm -hmm. I don't know we kind of had to sort he sorted out pretty early on it was uh Alexander was pretty good at just letting me do the kind of story I wanted to do here. Um, I got some feedback on certain aspects and like, you know, certain details and uh, getting certain things, you know, accurate that we felt were sort of important to the story. Um, specifically things like trying to represent a more realistic version of Alberta history than you typically get. And I think kind of the manicured history that we see in in photos and stuff like that a lot of the times you usually just get a photo of a bunch of white guys in in our historical retellings so yeah that was something we discussed as well was just trying to more accurately reflect like the diversity that did exist at the time so yeah there's that kind of conversation but i'd say once we got the story kind of worked out and alexander had given me the go-ahead on on my kind of final draft of uh of the script it was kind of just on my on my own aside from checking in occasionally to apologize for not drawing pages fast enough. <laughs> how, how about the, because when I saw this book, my first reaction was it reminded me of, of a, um, the type of graphic novels that we often see coming out of Europe, out of Belgium and places like that. And that kind of a design choice. But, but how much effort was put into historically being accurate for the for the setting, the hair, the, the town of Frank, the clothes, things like that? For historical fiction, surprisingly a lot. I had a really good, uh, it was sort of uh, supposed to be a workshop, but it was almost kind of like a discussion with a group of people at the Panel One Comic Creator Festival actually getting into this a little bit. Um, 
when I sat down to think about like, oh, it's historical fiction. I did that so that I could just toss out research and history. I found that that wasn't actually true. I actually did just an insane amount of work. Um, I went to site. I did research in the archives for Crowsnest Pass. I did the Glenbow archives. Um, I really just kind of dug into like the different photos and the site visit as well was super important. So yeah, there was a, a lot of stuff and, and figuring out what the history was so that I could massage it where I needed it to or, or make changes where I thought it suited the story was actually kind of important. I don't think I could have made those decisions as well if I didn't do the research, the legwork ahead of time to figure out what was actually going on there. How about you, Alex? You, um, when you were getting this, what kind of things did you offer as input as, as the process was going on? Or from your perspective, did you just trust them completely? Um, once we, I think, like Ben said, most of the uh, the conversation was t at the beginning, um, just just uh, figuring out the direction that Ben was going to take the story and the kind of uh, the arc that a story like that needs. Um, and also the approach he was going to take with the historical side of it. I mean, there was a lot of detail about the Frank slide that didn't make it into the book. Um, and you don't miss it, which is great. Um, and bes besides those things, and, you know, I, I bang on about how we need to have representation in our books because it's important. Um, besides that, I, you know, I had 100% faith in the direction Ben was going. The script, uh, the manuscript when he presented it was, was fantastic. There was very little that needed doing. And it really did become a case of just checking for continuity, for uh, typos, for characters getting mixed up, those kind of things. Um, and there were surprises along the way, things I missed in the script that when I saw the artwork, I was like, hold on, I don't, I don't remember this character being like that. What? And then having to go back and check in it and go, oh, that's what he was trying to do. Very clever. Um, and that was, that was great. Having those, having those surprises like along the way um, was a pleasure from an editor's point of view. I'm yeah, interested. Go ahead, Brad. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask, um, you know, like I'm interested, did you have a, a specific length in mind for the book or was there kind of just a, you write until the story's done and then that's what we'll put out? You know, I like constraints. So we kind of actually always were aiming for somewhere around the 100 page mark. That seemed like a pretty a pretty good amount of time and space to tell this story. If you think about like your usual trade paperback of like your your Marvel or DC comics, they're they're usually actually around the same amount of pages, uh, you know, five issues or so of 20 pages. And I felt like that was more than enough. I didn't want to have something that felt like it was overdrawn. It was a pretty quick and kind of actiony tale in a lot of ways. So yeah, we were always talking about a hundred pages and we came in right around there. I think I made a couple cuts on things, scenes that I don't think, I don't think really mattered overall to kind of keep the length down. But on the whole, I don't think we really lost or edited anything because I like the constraint of knowing what I was writing to. And uh, this really book, where are you kind of, oh, go ahead. Go ahead ben. No, no, that's okay. Yeah, I was just going to prattle on. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Then this book, I mean, is it something that is, uh, are you having issues getting it into comic stores compared to bookstores? Are you getting it into libraries? What what's kind of what kind of are you finding the market for a historical fiction book? Huh. Um, well, it's a little bit early to draw any real conclusions. 
I mean, the book trade has definitely responded to it a lot more than the um, the, the comic book stores. But the Canadian comic book stores are are, are on board. It's the Americans really, which are not seem not seeming to be too excited about it. Um, but it's a it's a long process for a book like this. It's like it's got a year of being new, really. Um, so anytime a review comes out or someone in the industry talks about it or we talk about it on this show, then people pay attention and they go into library stores, comic book stores, and they say, hey, I was hearing about this book by Ben Rankle. Can you get it in for me? And that builds interest in sales. Um, I'm just loading a report to see how sales are going <laughs> in Canada. So <laughs> I'll have more insight in a minute. Excellent. Well, uh, we'd love to know how many, uh, how many thousands of copies it sold already. <laughs> millions. millions of millions. You might. I think we're up. Uh, we're what? We're we're just north of a million now, right, Alexander? Yeah. 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 Just today. Take a couple. <laughs> just today. Yeah. yeah. You're you're waiting for your for your million dollar check any time now. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the accrual. I'm sure will be here in. Oh, six yeah. years. <laughs> but it is, like you say, I mean, it, it's weird to hear somebody say, I'm, I'm thinking I can sell this five years. You know, but that but the, taking that long-term look at it, I think that's very interesting. And uh, I, think, I would uh, think that this is, Oh, go ahead. No, absolutely not. Sorry, I thought there was a break in your speech, and I thought it was... Uh, the end of that sentence, but it turned out it was just a break in the audio. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> uh, and I was just going to say that it also seems very much like the book, a book that would be well suited to schools, not just in Canada, but all over the place. Yeah. So, I, so the book sold out at distributor level in Canada um, last week, um, which was nice, but also irritating um, because there were no books for stores to order. So we then sent more in. I'm just looking at the breakdown of where those books originally went. And it looks like chapters took about 80% of the books that were available through the books, book trade, um, which is interesting why they took so many. Um, I can see lots of small orders here from libraries and from little stores. Uh, um, but yeah, chapters have taken, taken 84%. Um, that's a dis which is, different which is distribution scary. channel, right? Oh, is that scary? Uh, it's sorry, it's scary. Yeah, because um, they may have decided to put twenty books in every store in the country, as an example, um, and then a lot of those stores may only need two or three, given the type of clientele they've got and how big their graphic novel readership is. So, in four months' time, m most of those books would come back. Um, oh, I see. As returns. Whilst at the same time, other places that would probably sell 10 books are struggling to get hold of them. So so do you, do you guys understand why that would be an issue yeah, from a publisher's point of view? I never thought of it. Never thought of it. Yeah, that's, that is there have, an interesting. On the literary press side, there have been publishers, prose publishers that have gone bust on a very successful book because people like Chapters, who are fantastic, get very excited and do huge mountains of um, Giller winning books. And they pile them up, and then a year down the line, they send 70% of all those books that the publisher paid to get printed back to them. And of course, the there's no the publisher's already paid for the printing, and now they've got say 7,000 or 70,000 books 
that have no market. Right. Um, so you have to be careful on on gauging uh, a reprint or something versus uh, like trying to get stores to yeah. wait. Huh. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Like. Yeah. It's scary. So you don't really. Um, but have also very much exciting. Place, but to look at it as a long game. Yeah. That's why I say to to everyone three to five years to get a real picture on how um, one of our books is doing. If we were a like Penguin or something, then we could throw 200,000 copies out into the market and not worry about it if it didn't, if they don't all hit. Um, but for smaller publishers, um, you have to be a lot more careful. Fascinating. Um, I can't wait in six months' time when we have this conversation again and none of right, those books came cover. back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Not so other than, you know, uh, everybody go buy a copy of Chapters so they don't come <laughs> back. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like the new uh, the new the new source to push is is the chapters purchase based on what we just discussed. Yeah, got to put a new link in the bio. Well, it might be there's a, there's a great um, great guy working at chapters in Calgary, um, Dave Reynolds, who is a champion and a saint amongst booksellers, and he's one of the um, the managers and he's responsible for local interest books and buying for Western Canada. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's given the bush book a push and kind of promoting it across the stores between well uh manitoba across to bc um well if we're being honest there's really no reason they shouldn't be able to sell it out at every chapters exactly (laughs) modest to the end (laughs) two copies for everyone (laughs) two ten (laughs) (laughs) we do wish you guys absolutely the best success with it so i mean it you know, because it is uh, something you clearly poured so much of yourself into, and and from from a, and that's from you a creative standpoint. Then you pour so much into it, and Alex, you take the chance on somebody like Ben who hasn't got a track record of, you know, many graphic novels created. And you give him that opportunity, and many other people here in in Western Canada as well. Um, so I mean that you you deserve any success that comes to you. Thank you. That's very kind. Yeah, uh, a, a comic publisher in Alberta is is basically uh, the most important thing. It's it's such a cool thing, and yeah, you can't thank Alexander enough for for trying uh, something different in, in grabbing some person from an office to to write, draw, and color a graphic <laughs> novel about Alberta history. <laughs> That's great. It's it sounds. Sounds so good, like just just any random person is suddenly going to get a knock or a phone call. Hi, I'm Alexander Finbo. Would you be interested in working on a graphic novel? It's a lottery. I mean, yeah, to be fair, I did did do web comics for like a decade uh, and, and, you know, some smaller jobs, like two to three pages, ten pages, I think, was my max previously. So, I mean, at least there's something he could look at. (laughs) Yeah, so you've upped your max significantly now. It wasn't just like, even accounting this is alexander finbo <laughs> how would you like to make a comic book yeah. i'd love to says everyone which Always. i think is 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 an interesting idea i i look forward to somebody trying it uh you know perhaps uh, <laughs> perhaps you might not be the right person alexander but uh, but you know hey just <laughs> it sounds like a terrible reality tv show exactly <laughs> Talk, talking of that kind of thing, how's how's uh, your comic going, guys? 
uh, we I was trying not to talk about us because when you were talking about it being three years and one being six, I was like, we'll be lucky to be done in sixty. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, we will be done. Uh, I I anticipate we'll be done next year. Excellent. Well, don't rush greatness. No, no, of course not. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that. Uh, I I mean, really, um, a scale for us almost was Frank. We we were st- we were. We were really hoping to beat you, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we really were. We started a little bit behind you. I think six months or so behind you. And we're like, man, if we can beat Frank, that'd be great. Then we'll just be like in your face all the time. <laughs> but you didn't, so now I get to be in your face all the time. That is true. <laughs> That's true. But you smartly capped it in 112 pages, whereas we're going to 4,796. Well, that that explains it. Then you need to cut about four thousand and five hundred pages. <laughs> well, it is probably going to be about one hundred and eighty pages. It, it's a big stuff. So, uh, mm. but you know, uh, yeah, it's um, not just here. But yesterday, we pulled off something that was very difficult to do on the in the script, and and the feedback is that it that it worked. So. Uh, with that said, the, the script is essentially finished finally, and we are just waiting on the last few pages and then the coloring and such. It's getting there. Cool. Excellent. Well, good luck. You got, you're going to, Ben, you're going to do a, a pinup, right? Or maybe 50? Oh, three? 53 pinups? <laughs> I'd settle for saying, one, everybody, personally. <laughs> everybody gets one. Yeah, hit me up. It'll, uh, I'll see what I can fit it in with my new uh, novel writing career. <laughs> between <laughs> between video games, you can, you can yeah. try. Destiny Two needs me. You don't understand. <laughs> I was going to ask you what you were playing. I was going to. Uh, yeah, it's it's mostly Destiny Two. Uh, I actually ended up in a clan with some other comic people, so it's actually been a lot of fun to just chat with people and shoot aliens. Um, that's that's kind of it right now. Pillars of Eternity is on tap for when Fiona is. Uh, able to play as well so that I don't uh, I don't find any spoilers before she has a chance <laughs> that's funny um, uh, Alec we also want to pin up from you but we don't have to have a bear in it so we've decided <laughs> our book I'm sorry maybe he'll do his famous uh, self portrait for you well, I, I have yeah I have one of those too if you could if you could do a self portrait with a bear then I, I think we'd have the uh, the perfect the perfect finbo art. Okay, I'll get practicing. Um, <laughs> it's very detailed. It right, take a long time. <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap this sucker up with our usual thing. It's the We Talk Comics tradition. A little segment we like to call "Gentlemen, plug your shit." I think we might end up plugging the same thing here, Alexander. It, it seems likely. <laughs> Why don't you, you? Yeah, you go. You go uh, first, yeah. and then I'll fill in. Uh, yeah, definitely. Please go pick up uh, Frank from Renegade Arts Entertainment. It's my first graphic novel. I wrote it. I drew it. I colored it. I put a lot of a lot of time into it. Um, it's got pull quotes from Brian K. Vaughn and Troy Nixie, so you know it's not complete garbage. Um, because they wouldn't have let me put their names on my book if it was. Yeah, and letters are by this guy Ryan 
Ryan. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm so bad at this. But Ryan Ferrier did such a phenomenal yeah. job uh, lettering the book and 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 also doing kind of co-design on the cover there. Uh, he took the 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 logo that I'd put together and and tweaked it in such a way that it just went from being kind of okay to being like the the thing I wanted on the book. It was perfect. And yeah, his lettering just adds so much. Uh, there's a number of pages that I, I used in real life when talking to people about the lettering to just show like a panel where I wasn't sure I got across exactly what I wanted. And then Ryan came in and did some lettering treatment on it and it was suddenly perfect. So yeah, huge, huge thank you to Ryan Ferrier for working on the book and managing to, to fit all of that in, even with my, my delays, my slow art. <laughs> all right. All right, Alex, your turn. Uh, yes, if you if you like graphic novels, if you enjoy historical stories, um, Frank is a it's definitely one you should check out. And if you're just looking for a well-told story and want to fall in love with a new genre, you should should read Frank. It's a be- it's a beautifully told story in a in a wonderful book, um, and it's available now for only twenty five dollars from everywhere that sells good books, including our website. It's a hardcover too. Uh, yeah. Beautiful hardcover. Alexander chose the best finishing possible for the for the cover. It's it, you know it's actually really nice to be able to hold something that looks this nice <laughs> and get the yeah. end papers in there too. So thanks for fitting those in. My my pleasure. <laughs> um, Alex, and it's, what else? Great. What else I'm is great? In Canada at Renegade Art Entertainment. What else is great there? Uh, oh, Sharkosaurus uh, is one that you have to pick up. Big Bears Invade. Yeah, definitely some Sharkosaurus love. Um, what did we do before that? Oh, yeah, Hope was the one before that. The next book in the Shame trilogy from Laverne Kinjerski and John Bolton carrying on the amazing fantasy series about the mother and daughter good and evil battle. Um, and before that, oh, yeah, we wel- welcomed Elaine M. Will, a great Saskatoon graphic novelist into the Renegade family. Uh, Dust Ship Glory, her story of a, a man's descent into madness as he builds an ark in his field in Saskatchewan in the 1930s so that he can sail back to Finland to escape the Great Depression. Um, a wonderful character, character story and a good look at what life in Canada was like in the 1930s. And her story of uh, her, well, her autobiography of a teen dealing with mental illness, uh, Look Straight Ahead, which is just such a powerful, important book. Well worth checking out. Well, it all sounds good to me. So I'll tell you, I recommend everybody pick it up and uh, and certainly read Frank, but visit uh, Renegade Arts Entertainment and uh, and give some love to these fellows. And I'm going to give some love to you for coming on the show. We certainly appreciate it, and I hope uh, everything uh, it comes up uh, sunshine and puppy dogs for you. <laughs> okay, yeah. I hope so, too. Well, thank you for having me and uh, enjoy chatting with you. Yeah, thanks, guys. We appreciate the support and helping to spread the spread the word about what we're doing and creating. Much well, no problem. We enjoyed having you on the show. So uh, for all the listeners, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll, see you. we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Um, awesome. That's uh, thank cut. You.